Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. So I can imagine that there's been at least one time in our lives when we've been on the receiving end of an act of kindness. And if not kindness per se, then a moment when someone in our lives supported us, encouraged us, helped us see something in a different way, and that one act seemed to make a big difference in our lives. It may have been something simple like the person up ahead of us in line at the drive-thru, paying for our order and wishing us a good day. I remember when that first became a thing. Do you remember the day at Starbucks back in, I think it was 2017, when one person started it and it went on for 11 hours with 379 people in line paying for the order behind them? Now, it may not have been a huge debt paid off, but I can imagine that the entire community, including the employees of Starbucks that day, couldn't stop smiling just thinking about all that generosity and kindness repeating all day long. Sometimes one seemingly small act of kindness can change the entire world. Like when Princess Diana, visiting AIDS patients in a hospital in England, reached out and shook the hand of one of the patients without gloves on her hands. This one handshake forever changed how people saw and treated AIDS patients when previously they had been treated as infectious and unclean like the lepers of Jesus' day. Now, we may not know all the stories of single acts that have changed people's lives or even the world, but we do know that it happens that one selfless act, just like a seed planted in the ground, can grow into something huge, something that changes the landscape and makes the world better. Has there been a moment like that in your life when someone said or did something that made a difference in your life? Think about it. And it may be that someone gave you a job or responsibility because they saw something in you and gave you the chance to show that you could do it. As a pastor, I'm often faced with trying to develop leaders, leaders who will teach, serve on committees that keep the church and our ministries going, who will shape and mentor our young people, who will connect with the community and develop relationships with those around us. And sometimes I can see abilities in someone that they have never seen themselves. And so they have stood on the sidelines until the day I speak to them about it. We can find it difficult to see our own abilities until someone else reveals it to us. Once we do, though, that ability used even once can change the world if we let it. What about you? What are the ways people have pointed out your abilities, something in you that maybe you missed? What kind of impact can it have when we use our gifts and abilities to grow the kingdom of God in the world? Now, this parable can be used to talk about many different aspects of faith, of our relationship with God and the use of our abilities. But what we're going to focus on today is the impact of our choices 
and how we invest what God has given to us. Now, today, we will see the master as Jesus. And we say this because we are counting that long journey taken by the master as Jesus' time in heaven after the ascension and until he returns. And even though it may seem to some like that's going to happen any day now, we really don't know when Jesus will come again. So we just have to wait. And what do we do while we wait? That is one of the lessons of this parable. So let's kind of dig into that. Now, Matthew wants his readers to know that this parable is about how Christians are going to behave while we wait for Jesus' return. This master, as we've said, Jesus, is going on a long journey, and he entrusts all of his possessions to his servants. We can talk about what a talent was in those days, but it's not really relevant for our discussion today. And I don't want anyone getting hung up on how much people are given Remember, we're going to talk about the impact and how we invest what we've been given. So in our parable, there are three servants, but really only two choices and outcomes. The first two immediately go out and invest their talents, and their investment doubles. The third one really doesn't do anything but hang on to the talent. Nothing gained, but nothing lost either. And it's always a bit of a puzzle, isn't it? At least it is for me. This servant has a very different view of the master. And his view of the master seems to have impacted his decision on what to do with the responsibility the master has given them. But is it really his view of the master? Or could it be his view of himself and his abilities that drives his choices? I think about that because there are people I know who are so gifted and talented in some area, but no matter how many ways the people around them tell them what they see as their gifts, they don't really or won't believe it. And so they never really do anything with it. So when I read this parable, I wonder if this servant just has major doubts about their ability to do what the master has asked them to do. And because they don't want to seem like an utter failure, losing it all on a failed effort, they bury it instead. So at least they haven't lost anything. So does this servant really think the master is cruel and demanding? Or is it just a human response to their own sense of inadequacy? I can relate to that. Maybe you can too. So if Jesus is this master who has gone on a long journey and has entrusted all his possessions to his servants, who are the servants and what are those possessions? Well, when Christ ascended into heaven, he gave instructions to his disciples and consequently the church once Pentecost had arrived. Now the great commandment is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them everything he has taught us. So those possessions could include the wisdom and knowledge he has passed on and continues to pass on to his disciples, acts of worship, the sacraments, and developing relationships with those not already in the kingdom. Christ has left us the Holy Spirit to ensure we have the gifts or abilities we need to share those gifts and complete that mission. And each one is given abilities and gifts as part of our heritage as a follower of Jesus Christ through that same Holy Spirit. And 
Oddly enough, we call our abilities talents because of this parable. But is this what the master really gives his servants and expects, expects them to invest for a higher return? It is one interpretation, but I would suggest that this is too narrow an interpretation. What did Jesus really give us? How would we sum up what Christ has given to us? Well, I would say grace I would extend that to say grace given to us in Jesus Christ because of God's love for each one of us. The greatest gift we've been given is love. And we have that grace only because God so loved the world. So when our master comes again, when we are asked what we did with those gifts of grace and love while we were waiting for him to return, what would we say? How have we invested the love that we have been given? Now, I know I told you not to think about the different amounts, but now I want you to think about what was given to the servants in our parable in regard to the amounts, but in a different way. We're going to start at the end with the one talent. As I said, that servant made different choices based either on their perception of the master or their own ability to handle the responsibility the master gave them. So if we see this gift as a gift of love, the same gift that's given to everyone, then maybe we can say the servant may have hidden that gift because they really didn't believe they were worthy of that kind of love. And don't we know people like that? who believe they are not worthy of love. People who are given love by God, by Jesus, by their families, by their friends, and they either take that love and hide it away or bury it down deep. They don't believe they can do anything good, so they stand on the sidelines, not using the gifts they have been given and sharing the love that's been available to them, just living day to day without any purpose or joy in their lives. Now, every one of these servants had at least one talent. And I believe that the first responsibility of this gift is to receive it. The first way we're called to invest the love that we've been given is to invest it in ourselves. This one talent each of us has been given is to learn to love ourselves. Learn to see the gifts and abilities that we've been given. And to see how amazing the gift of grace truly is in our lives. And as we receive the love of Christ, learn to love ourselves, investing that love in our hearts, then we begin to see the value of investing that love in our family and friends. That is what I believe is the second talent. The third servant never got the second one because they couldn't handle the first one. But when we learn to love ourselves, see our own gifts and abilities, then we can begin to share that love with those around us. We can begin to share the love that God has given us by investing our gifts and abilities in the people around us. We all have people we care about in our lives, people who care about us. How are we investing that love in them? And then finally, the five talents. As we invest in ourselves and then in those around us, we gain the confidence and ability to take great risks 
and invest that love in the world in general. We learn to see beyond ourselves, see beyond those we already know we love, and can begin to invest in those we don't really love or have a relationship with. And as we love others through our actions, our words, and our support, the only option is for that love to grow, to give abundant returns. See, one act of love can develop into so many other acts of love that it can be like a river overflowing its banks, like a Starbucks line, paying it forward all day long. This is what ministry in the church is all about. As the church, the servant's Christ has given all his possessions to care for and invest. We are called to share this love first by receiving it, then teaching others to receive it. That's what we call making disciples. And then going into the world to share that love in any way we can. And how that looks will be different for every person, for every community, and for every church. The master doesn't tell us how to invest, how to do ministry, just that he expects us to share it no matter what the outcome. And not every ministry we know is what we call a success. Not every attempt to love or serve will bring people to know Jesus, but that's not what's important to God. This master never said anything about an amount, only that they tried, that they did something. But the good news is that every attempt gives us a return on our investment because love never fails. And even if we don't see the results right then or ever, it always increases. Now, we have many ministries here at Asbury. Some have shut down or been paused for COVID, but we have always done and continue to do what we can to share the love Jesus has entrusted to us with our community. Now, not everyone is aware of or involved in our ministries, so I thought I'd share a little about some of our ministries so we can see how we are investing the talents Christ has given us. If you would please watch the screens for our video. Hi, I'm Joyce Sinclair. I'm here to speak today on uh, the food ministry. If you ask anyone to describe the Methodists in one word, it would be food. Asbury has several programs that were shut down due to COVID, and it's time to explore the new opportunities available to feed those in need. The monthly outreach dinner supplied a free, complete meal to people in need in the Smyrna Clayton area. I'm not sure when this long, long well-established ministry started, but I've been part of it for 20 years. Over 800 meals were provided annually. Uh, relationships were formed between the recipients and Asbury members. When we called to remind the people that we were going to be bringing out the meal, we usually ended up chatting with them. The people, relationships were specially formed between the recipients and the delivery people or drivers. As more people were added, I wanted to combine some routes. Didn't work. The drivers got upset and begged me not to take their people away from them. The solution? 
recruit more drivers. <laughs> the workers were blessed by the contact with the community. The recipients were also blessed by the ministry of a meal. As a caller or a delivery, we always got a thank you. As, the, as little as the recipients had, they wanted to give back. Some would give a dollar for a meal. One person would give a bag of food for the food pantry because she had gotten food that she didn't like in her, in her bag. The Circle of Hope dinners were, was started by people identified with the school district. Two Saturdays a month, a meal was provided for people in the community. Anyone could come. They came to the church for the meal, for food and fellowship. A prayer was offered before the meal, but our faith was shown through our actions. An average of 24 people came to each dinner. Leftovers went home with the diners. Relationships formed, the volunteers sat and ate with the community. Relationships formed and the entire group was concerned if someone missed a meal. Hello friends at Asbury United Methodist Church. I just wanted to take this opportunity to send a great big thank you for being a friendly neighbor partner for the past 10 years. It means so much to the individuals we support at Twin Willows and Black Diamond as it means so much to the entire Mosaic community. Thank you for everything you do. You are super appreciated. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good afternoon, Asbury. We're uh, here at uh, Lisa and your husband's name is Glenn. Uh, Lisa and Glenn's house, and we've just put in a handicap ramp, and uh, we've rebuilt some of the uh, supports here around the porch so that they could uh, uh, safely walk around. Uh, but Lisa, what we'd like to ask you is, uh, when did you find out about the Redbird Mission Camp? Oh, I've known about it. I've lived here all my life, so we've always known about it. Lifetime resident. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what does Redbird mean to you the, as far as the mission came? Um, well, they, they come, they help a lot of people. A lot of people here can't afford to have this, and I couldn't afford to have this done, but it means a lot because my mother-in-law and my dad are getting up in years, and you know they have a hard time climbing the steps, so this is going to help a lot. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Do you know of other people in the area that's had work done from, by the Redbird Mission Camp? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of people around the area that, you know, get services from them. Mm-hmm. Because I it's, it's kind of a poor area. Mm-hmm. But we, we do the best we can. Yeah. God provides. God does provide. There are so many ministries that have come forth from Asbury over the years, and they have impacted so many lives. Just take a look and see what God is doing at Asbury. So these are only some of the ways that we are investing the love that we have been given. And the impacts of our ministries will be known only to God. There are people we help with a place to stay, with food, with bus passes, with just a friendly voice to pray with or to talk to. And we don't always see the impact of our ministry. And if you remember, 
The master tells those who invested his gifts wisely to enter into the joy of their master. Now, we may only see someone once, never knowing what God does with our investment. But the joy we receive by sharing that love makes it all worthwhile. As we look to the future here at Asbury, we all need to ask ourselves, how are we investing the gifts that Jesus has entrusted to us while we wait for his return? If there's anyone here who has not received the love of God through faith in Christ, that's the first place we need to start. Open your heart now to receive the love of God through faith in Christ. And then look at the abilities we have each been given and ask how we can use them to invest in our family and friends, in our community, in the ministries of Asbury. There are so many opportunities, and it all starts with supporting the ministries of Asbury here with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our talents, and our witness. We can't afford to bury our responsibility to share the love that we've been given because it's time to invest in our future, continuing the work that Jesus has given us to do while we wait. One small act, one ministry done in love can change the world. So let us all serve God together, waiting for Christ's return together, confident that whatever we do, the impact of ministry will help love grow. And it will all be worth the risk. And it will be a high return in our investment. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for the gifts that we have been given, especially the gift of Jesus Christ and the love that we have been given. Lord, we ask that you open up our hearts to receive the love that you give us and then help us to invest that love in the people around us, in the world around us, but Lord, especially in ourselves as we share that great love with all of your creation. Lord, give us the confidence, give us the fortitude to invest wisely. And even though sometimes carelessly, as long as we're investing that love in any way we can, Lord, thank you for investing in us and giving us this responsibility. Help us to use your gifts to change the world. In Jesus' name, amen.